Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Hope you're having a fantastic day out there. And this is one of those, this is sort of like Saturday Night Live cold open. We're like rolling right into it today. Uh, We're very pleased to be joined in studio uh, by Robert Marbot, who officially is the U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness in the Trump administration. Uh, Some people just call you the homeless czar. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us in studio today. Thank you for having me again. So you're you're here in Utah. I know you've had meetings with community leaders and other organizations. You've been up with the editorial board of the Deseret News. So what's what's the message and what are you learning here in Utah today? Well, I I think there are two things we're sharing back and forth. Uh, One is the administration's new approach because of just how bad the homelessness situation has gotten across the United States. And and we've repositioned into a, a, a our new vision is trauma informed care plus affordable housing equals housing stability. That's our ma- main message. Um, uh, as as for local input and what we've learned the last couple of days is we see a gap in data here uh, that that we, you'll probably ask about that. But we got a lot of issues around data. I, I think that has a tendency to get dropped off the table when you talk about brick and mortar and right. and some of the things that are more maybe interesting and entertaining. But data is so, so, so you can't understate how important data is. And the other is uh, just sort of what we see is, is leadership. But, uh, you know, I've asked, been asking the last three or four day, or days because I came in early is who's in charge? Who's mm-hmm. the leader? And, and, we're sort of getting a lot of fingers going different. Tra- well, they are, or she is, as that is. And, and I think there's a real healthiness when you have a singular group in charge of everything mm. and everything feeds up through them and you want a good, strong leader on that group. And so you probably want a, you know, some sort of committee, some sort of group. And then there, that doesn't mean add that on top of all the other groups. I mean, some of the other right. groups I think might need to be consolidated, reformatted, but but you want to you you want to be able to know who to go to if there's a problem who's accountable, who's accountable. for the decision yeah. making. Yeah. So those are the two observations we've seen so far, and, and we still got another day and a half to go. Good, that's great. It's a, obviously it's a, a critical issue here in Utah and around the country. Uh, you came into this uh, position in the administration uh, with some experience, and uh, 
both proponents and and critics, uh, which means you're probably doing something right. Uh, but but your approach was very much uh, that you can't just you know hand somebody a home uh, and expect them to go. There's sort of a, a process in terms of being able to be ready to make that sustainable. I love the fact that you get to this sustainability piece. Uh, but you really seem to be taking an approach that is looking at those who are experiencing homelessness, uh, not as liabilities to be managed, but more as, as human assets to be developed. Just give us a little bit of your your process, your principles uh, as it comes to homelessness. The, 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 the both families and the individuals who are experiencing homelessness, they're our fellow citizens. That, yeah. that they're, they're our family members. They're our moms and dads, brothers and sisters. Uh, I've had people in my family that have that come across experiences of homelessnesses at different times. And so we, we I got asked a question a couple weeks ago. It was, it was one of those zinger questions and, you know, one of those, you know, there are 180 media people in the room. And then they went through our people experiencing homelessness, liabilities or problems. They went through this list and I go and I was like. None of the above. <laughs> Zero. And, and and that's why our focus is always about the people experiencing homelessness. And if we work to create a situation that that allows, whether it's a family or an individual, to completely exit the entire homelessness experience, whether it's the uh, on unsheltered on the street or exit housing where they are on their own, self-sustainable right. and in a market-rate economy, that's ultimately our goal. And so – we look at every individual as a as a soul, as a family unit that that we want to help create the environment of of the ideal thing would be for as many, if not all, to be able to exit the entire system. That yeah. would be the ultimate goal. Yeah. And so, if you focus on the individuals and the families that are experiencing homelessness, you capture everything else. Mm. But if you start saying, "I want to do this or that." you end up totally missing the ball. And so that's why we always start with the person experiencing the homelessness and work out from there. Yeah, I, I think yeah, your focus on the, the data is so important too because uh, without that, it's uh, it's really hard to, to get to the right prescription uh, as it relates to what do we do uh, and, and moving that forward. With, with with the lack of data, two really bad things happen right off, right out of the mm. box. You don't know what the problem is, and right. until you know what the problem is, how can you work to address it? Yeah, and then you don't know how well you're doing. You don't have a feedback loop that tells you how, how's it going or, or what we're doing working. Did, yeah. You know, when we made that tweak, did it go better? And then at the individual level without having that data very robust and very open and being able to have to, you know, interconnect between agencies, we're not very successful in terms of how we do the case management. So yeah. data is important on three different levels. Oh, that's uh, that's so uh, important. And I think part of what you've done and what the administration seems to be trying to do uh, is, is sort of that disruptive innovation of things that haven't been working. We don't even know why they're not working uh, until we get the data points and then we can actually get the transparency, accountability, and then a, a different path moving forward. And, and what we do know is for the last eight or so years uh, that the amount of federal funding has dramatically increased. Mm -hmm. And if you've increased the the amount of money as much as it has into this area, and many cities and states have also increased it, and if we have a good model, the numbers should be going down dramatically Yeah, because uh, the amount of money we've input into the system has dramatically increased. So if the model's right and you're increasing money, the numbers should be going down, and that is just not what is happening. What we are do had been doing is not working and is, and is not – 
And the president and the administration has been working with our congressional partners to try to change this over the last couple of years. And and now it's gotten to a point where uh, the the president has talked about this, focused on this for about the last half year, almost every day, uh, if you follow. And so that's how bad our crisis is. We have communities that have death rates that we've never seen before. Mm. We have communities where you have, you just look out the window and you go, that's not working. Yeah. And, and so, and the good news for you in Salt Lake, uh, you've made some really tremendous improvements in the last five years since when I first started coming out about right. five or six years ago and just even six months ago. Now, there's work still to be done. Lots to be done. <laughs> Lots to be done. And, and you'll always be tweaking. You'll always be making adjustment. You're never, you're never at the finish line. You've got to keep doing it. But there's some dramatic improvements that have occurred and, are, and things are much better, but we got to keep finishing. You know, data is one of those that was talked about three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you all editorialized on it and it just never got done. And if you don't do that, you're going to have a lot of really loosey goosey going on in the system and, and you're going to have duplication. You're going to have people uh, gaps and, and you're also not going to know how you're doing. Yeah. And, and when you make an adjustment and don't know, you don't have that feedback loop to tell you, Hey, we tweaked this here. Did it work or not? You're, you're, you're really driving dark and blind and with blindfolded. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, such, such great insight there. If you're just joining us, we have uh, Robert Marbot, uh, who we, we're just going to call you the homeless czar today, whether <laughs> anyone else is calling you that today. That's what we're calling you today. Uh, as part of the Trump administration here in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah for meetings this week, uh, and and as we continue to talk through this uh, uh, this concept, you talked you talked about the duplication uh, of efforts, which has long been uh, the criticism uh, for a, a lot of different programs. And as you mentioned, the the funding has gone up, uh, but yet homelessness has not gone down. Especially even in a good economy, the numbers haven't gone down. Uh, is there anything else that we're we're not looking for? Even here in Utah, we we do feel like we've made progress. Uh, but then we, you know, you still see rows of tents and and uh, places where the, the encampments kind of recalibrate themselves. Uh, what else are you seeing? Well, you have to engage on at the street level, and we spent this morning talking with a lot of law enforcement agencies mm-hmm. th- throughout the Front Range, and and when you look at the the uh, the amount of law enforcement and com- maybe maybe put it another way. Compare law enforcement's approaches from five years ago to now. Most of the uh, chiefs we talked to this morning have some version of a of a hot team, a homeless outreach team, yeah. or a multidiscipline team. They didn't have those five years ago throughout the whole range, and so the the law enforcement is getting much more agile, much more nimble, becoming multidiscipline. Where you go out with a social worker, you go right. out with somebody with one of the partner service agencies. That's how you address on the street, and what the what we were re, the chiefs were reporting to us is some we're seeing across the country is in many ways when you do that that sort of crisis in, in, informed treatment or, or CIT crisis mm-hmm. intervention team when when you do those t- together and combine them with law enforcement. It gets where the law enforcement over time becomes the most trusted person on the street right. with the people experiencing homelessness, and they become the most influential people mm-hmm. to be able to get people into programming and get into the assistance centers. And so that piece is very, very important, and we talked a lot about that this morning. 
And the chiefs are, are so – I'm so excited about your, your law enforcement agencies you have here because they're very innovative. Yeah. They're really thinking about this, and they're really focused on it and are really starting to become very successful. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, such a vital thing is, is that uh, holistic approach. Everybody's, everybody's got a part to play, uh, including us as citizens. Uh, we all have parts to play in this. Uh, and then the, the question I wanted to get to is how do we get this to a, a real sustainable model? It seems like our, our efforts, whether it's opioids or homelessness or uh, some of those different things, that we, we kind of do this peak and valley thing. Uh, we're always focused on the, the homeless right when winter set it, sets in and we kind of have that conversation or there's an outbreak here in, in opioid deaths. And so we, we run over there. Uh, from the administration standpoint, from from your leadership perspective, what is it going to take to really get that into a sustainable model in our communities? It, and that's exactly why our, our vision, our vision captures exactly what you just said, is is moving to that trauma-informed care system plus mm-hmm. uh, affordable housing will give you that housing stability. Yeah. And we know that. It, we know it works. It's worked throughout different parts of the country, so we know that. But the key is you got to work the system. And 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 so and we need our congressional partners to be helping us out and and make the adjustments we need because we know what has been happening is not working. So we need to make those adjustments. Um, And at local levels, leadership matters. I I, I mean, I I know that sounds uh, sort of soundbite ish, but it really does. And And one of the things I've been asking is who the leader of the homelessness effort is. And th- whether it's the the Salt Lake City, the range, or the whole state, and I'm getting a lot of different names, and there are a lot of different uh, agencies and task force and such. And it, 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 what we see as a best practice around the country is you want to have a very streamlined system, everybody reporting through a, a, a real clear uh, understanding of the command chain, and you need one group at the top with one leader of that group. And right now, that's that's not happening here. And so, you know, that is one little, you know, we, we've asked and suggested, you know, again, we the, our role in federal government is not coming to tell you what to do. Yeah. Our role should be, here's what other cities have found that are working. You might want to consider this. And so uh, streamlining your leadership would help on the sustainability mm-hmm. and getting the data is really, really important because you've done a real good job on building the new places. They right. are fabulous. They're working well. Uh, your police departments have made the adjustments that, that, that five years ago some people talked about, that will never happen, and they've done it. They're yeah. fabulous. And so a lot is going on. Um, you had, Even though you know, we sort of talk about the problems of data, you, you have all three of your continuum of cares using the same data system. That's very unusual. And so – you have some beachheads to build on. Now you got to finish it. I mean, yeah. And the, this is probably way oversimplifying it. You, you developed a pretty good plan about three years ago. You've implemented 85% of it. Yep. But that last 15% is going to make the difference. The and difference. that's what you need to be working on. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, so grateful to have Dr. Robert Marbert uh, from the Trump administration, uh, officially the U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness. Uh, appreciate your work, appreciate your leadership, and uh, the insight you're sharing here uh, in Utah today. Thank you for having us. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll uh, do a quick update on Iowa and then stay with us. We have new data, new polling from the Deseret News, Hinckley Institute, and KSL coming up later today on Inside Sources. 
Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.